Today, we're starting our month-long series of conversations with experts in the field of mindfulness, mindfulness meditation, and mindfulness-based stress reduction. People are hearing a lot about mindfulness these days, and there's good reason. After 35 years of scientific research, ongoing work in over 250 hospitals in this country alone, and in other centers around the world, the awareness of mindfulness meditation, which is rooted in ancient Buddhist teachings, are becoming accessible to people all over the world in all walks of life. Today, we're happy to speak with Bob Stahl, a longtime practitioner and teacher of mindfulness meditation. He's founded and directs mindfulness-based stress reduction programs at Dominican Hospital, O'Connor Hospital, and El Camino Hospital in California. Bob serves as a senior teacher for OASIS, the Institute for Mindfulness-Based Professional Education and Innovation of the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine, Healthcare, and Society at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. He is co-author of a number of books, including a mindfulness-based stress reduction workbook, Living with Your Heart Wide Open, Calming the Rush of Panic, and a mindfulness-based stress reduction workbook for anxiety. Bob is the guiding teacher at Insight Santa Cruz and visiting teacher at Spirit Rock and Insight Meditation Society. Bob Stahl, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to speak with me today on Health Currents Radio. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm honored. So I think we need to start with a very fundamental question for that needs to be answered for our listeners because there is so much buzz out there about mindfulness meditation that I'd like to ask the question, what is mindfulness and what is mindfulness meditation? So um, you know, mindfulness meditation has its historical roots in ancient Buddhist traditions, particularly in the Theravadan school, which means the way of the elders, the oldest form of uh, practicing Buddhism. And mindfulness is a practice of learning to be more present in our moment-to-moment, day-to-day life. How do we do that? How do we become mindful? How do we really engage in that practice in a way that it becomes part of our lives? So actually what we consider is that mindfulness is a way of life, and it can be practiced in two ways. One is formal meditation practices, such as being mindful of the breath or being mindful of physical sensations or feeling tones or states of mind such as thoughts and emotions so it's being present to the mind and body experience usually we pick one object at first in order to help settle and to steady the mind then to open up awareness to begin to experience this transient nature within the body and mind the breath comes in the breath goes out the sounds arising and passing away sensations that are here and then gradually disappear So there's a formal practice of mindfulness meditation where we are either sitting or lying down and intentionally bringing awareness to the breath and to other objects to experience this transient nature of things. In addition to the formal practices of meditation, there's also the informal practices of mindfulness, of bringing our mindfulness into our day-to-day lives. We want to be mindful of the different activities that we are doing, brushing our teeth, washing the dishes, folding the laundry, walking down the street, driving the car. There's all of these potential moments <clears throat> where we can become present and mindful. And But this mindfulness, is, as I've practiced it, and I see the challenge of practicing, is it's not just a thought, but it's something actually we drop into an experience. And can you just talk about that difference of, I say I'm mindful, but am I mindful? Yeah, and it's, you know, for example, it's one thing as you're mindful of the breath, 
and you're thinking about the breath, or you're analyzing the breath, or you're visualizing the breath, or you're trying to manipulate the breath, and it's another thing to actually be in the direct experience of the breath. And as you're breathing in, you're knowing that you're breathing in as you're breathing in. So there's a direct experience, the knowing of the breath that comes in as it's coming in, the knowing of the breath as it's coming out. You're experiencing, you're feeling the breath expand, perhaps in the rib cage or in the abdomen, or feeling the contact of the ear, of the tip of the nose. And so you're being aware and experiencing at the same time uh, the breath, for example, if you're doing a mindful eating practice, you're aware that you're actually lifting your foot off the plate, lifting your hand off the plate, not the foot. <laughs> that would be tricky. Grasping. When I was a little baby, I could maybe do that. Right, right, right. We see our kids do that when they're little, put their foot in their food. <laughs> so say bringing my hand down to the plate and and gathering a strawberry and you're aware of the going down the gathering the strawberry you're aware that you're bringing it up to your mouth you're aware that you're opening your mouth you're aware that you're placing it into your mouth and then you begin to chew and you experience the chewing as you chew you're experiencing the tasting as you're tasting you experience the swallowing it's the swallowing so there's not even an observer there you're in the direct experience with awareness experiencing what's here which is a huge thing for people especially these days as they're doing six different things as once which is really tricky and, and keeps us separated from what we're actually doing and has a, a strong impact on the nervous system in a negative way, kind of short-circuiting us. So let's talk a little bit about how the practice of mindfulness meditation, the formal practice actually in the beginning, affects our, our nervous system, how it really affects our brain and the wiring of our nervous system. Yeah, there's been research actually that began, and it was 2003 with um, Richie Davidson and John Kabat-Zinn, and John Kabat-Zinn is the founder of mindfulness-based stress reduction at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, and Richie Davidson is a, a neuroscientist who is currently at the University of uh, Wisconsin in Madison and has a, a lab particularly devoted to uh, meditation and its impact on the body and the mind. And he's actually one of the pioneers in what's called effective neuroscience. In other words, that through the practices of mind disciplines, you can affect the physiology of the body, the brain, the immune system, and so forth. And so early on in 2003, they put together a study where they um, gathered some biotech workers in mm -hmm. a local place nearby, and they did a eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction class. These were not Buddhist monks, but just regular people, and um, they did a pre-scan uh, of their brains with an MRI and a post, and they did this with a control group, and they found that those that practiced the meditation had uh, changes in their brain function or, or, brain, or brain architecture. Another mm -hmm. areas that, um, in other words, that certain areas that were reflective of more detrimental and negative aspects diminished in other areas, as they will say in neuroscience, began to light up and reflective of, of resiliency. And so they're seeing that actually you can begin to, through meditative disciplines and practice this repetition of mindfulness that you can actually begin to change some of the architecture of the brain. And some of the neuroscientists saying, you know, the neurons that begin to 
fire together, begin to wire together. And so we're beginning to develop new pathways. And so they found that just in eight weeks, these people had a significant change in the architecture of their brain, reflecting on more positive traits of dealing with stress. They also found that, and they repeated this test three months out later, that the control group and the meditators also did a flu immunization and they found that the meditators had a much more robust immune response than those that did and suggesting that um, meditation has an impact on the immune system. So there's number and number of studies that have been um, going and looking at this mind-body connection, this interest now in the telomeres, which are part of the chromosomes, and, and many different areas of the benefits and um, of mindfulness meditation with our health and our well-being, which I think for us as Westerners, this is very important to see that this evidence-based research that's showing the efficacy of these meditative practices can be very beneficial to our health and our well-being. Absolutely. I think the really interesting thing about the telomeres is that even low-level long-term stress can start to, was it shorten them or, or change that our DNA and and by actually through mindfulness-based stress reduction programs over these eight-week programs, that they can actually regenerate. That, yeah. Is that true? I'm... Well, they, they seem to be that at least they're not beginning to um, lose the length of those fibers or hairs and, and possible regeneration. And one thing that I just want to say, because I think one of the traps also, this is also one of the wonderful things about this evidence-based research, the deepest implications of mindfulness is, and actually John has a beautiful, John Kabat-Zinn has a beautiful translation of the word healing, which he says is the coming into terms with the way things are, mm. with peace, greater equanimity. Yes, we may be able to delay the diminishment of the telomeres, but the death rate is still one per person. <laughs> it's, the death rate is still one per person. So as well as potentially the benefits of mindfulness, and maybe helping to alleviate some of these illnesses, the deeper implications, helping us to deal with our lives, to deal with aging, illness, and death, and how can we live our lives with, um, with greater harmony, with greater understanding, with a greater way of being able to meet these inevitables with greater wisdom and compassion. Absolutely. I, I notice a lot when I've worked with my patients in practicing mindfulness, they, they often talk about feelings like, oh, I'm not doing it right. And I say, well, what makes you feel you're not doing it right? Well, I'm not feeling relaxed. My mind won't stop. You know, you know, there's this expectation that mindfulness meditation is is about relaxation, that it will relieve me of my suffering. And actually, sometimes it wakes us up to things, and we're sitting with what is. And, mm -hmm. and that can be so difficult for people, because it really goes against a cultural grain, I think. Yes, yes, I, I really appreciate you saying that. And yeah, I think there's a lot of you know, different understandings about meditation and mindfulness. So people have ideas that it's about getting relaxed or that your mind gets blank or, you know, all different types of things. And so I think a lot of our work is also to help educate, you know, maybe we're not able to blank our minds or to stop our minds from thinking, but our relationship to how we hold it. And these are just states of mind that are just coming and going and, and not getting lost and caught in our own story and our own narrative to begin to see that we have a limited definition of who we think we are. Right. So let's talk a little bit about this program, the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program, which you run many of, um, and just how it works. Because, uh, you know, eight weeks is a, a short time, but sometimes it's a really long time, you know, from moment to moment for people. So can, we just, can you just describe that program a little bit for our listeners? Yeah. 
So you know, Mindfulness Based Stress Reduction, or the acronym MBSR, was founded in 1979 by Dr. John Kabat-Zinn at UMass Medical Center. And it's an eight-week program. People meet once a week for two and a half hours, and there's a day-long session in the sixth week. And people go through a journey of learning different meditative practices, formal practices such as the body scan, the sitting meditation, some yoga, walking meditation, some loving-kindness meditation, as well as the informal practices of bringing our mindfulness into our day-to-day -day life. We also move into discussing certain areas, for example, of perception of how we see things, or some presentational themes, and the role of perception is huge in working with stress reduction. You know, sometimes we get so fixed in seeing things in just a certain way, not realizing that there's other ways of, of, of seeing. So, for example, sometimes in a class, I, I might present this at the end of class number two, and we've all been sitting in a circle for about two and a half hours, and and I start speaking about perception, and then I just get up in my seat, and I move to another part of the room, and then all of a sudden the whole room shifts in perception. Everyone is mm. now in a different direction. Right. So we begin to realize as many, and, you know, and everyone in the chairs could begin to sit and move into a different seat. There's so many different ways of seeing things. So part of our um, invitation here is to be open to seeing from another perspective. Uh -huh. Another very important aspect is that we begin to teach about stress reactivity in mindfully responding to the stress and begin to see that there's huge differences when we are very reactive and impulsive and it's coming from old repetitive patterns and there's no awareness, we begin to just dive into these vicious cycles of reactivity that can develop into maladaptive coping styles such as excessive work or smoking or whatever that can lead to um, you know, health breakdown. And the difference between beginning now to respond mindfully to a situation. So, for example, we may be driving along on the highway and our old repetitive pattern is to grasp the steering wheel so tightly and to gather all of this musculoskeletal tension and rapid, irregular breathing that forces our heart rate and blood pressure to rise. Often we're not even aware of this. We've just lost in our own repetitive cycle. But once we become aware, we can release the grip. It seems so simple. Once the yeah. light turns on, Right. Once we become aware, we have choice. That's why Viktor Frankl allegedly said that between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. Right. And in that space lies our freedom to choose. And so as we become mindful, become aware that we are reacting in a way that is fueled by our own awareness, we, when we become aware, we can then begin to choose a much more constructive response to the situation at hand. And that takes practice. That takes day-to-day -day practice. You know, just like you go to the gym and you're working out with the barbells and the weights and through the repetition, the muscle mass is gained and the practice of our day-to-day -day life is to become present. And the good news is this is a very compassionate practice for we say that the moment that you realize that you are not present, you are. <laughs> right here right it just pulls you back in but i i think that the beauty of the program is that it's actually something we can learn and it's doable 
you know, this is like the optimum of health education. And actually, we consider, at least in the hospitals that I work at, we're in the Department of Education. People are not patients, nor are they clients in the psychotherapeutic uh, realm. They, this is health education, and we're helping to empower people to learn about themselves and to that, that within them is possibilities of resiliency and, and uh, genius to begin to work much more better with the stress and pain and illness they live with. That is a beautiful note to end on. I want to thank you so much for being with us today on, on Health Currents Radio. If people listening want to contact Bob Stahl or learn more about mindfulness training, they can go to his websites, Mindfulness Pro Let me do that again. If people listening want to contact Bob Stahl or learn more about mindfulness training, they can go to his websites, mindfulnessprograms, all one word, dot com, or to mbsrworkbook.com for his mindfulness-based stress reduction workbook, which is a, a marvelous and beautiful tool to, to work with at home. So thank you so much, Bob, for being with us today on Health Currents Radio. Thank you so much for having me and um, wishing everyone that's listening, may you be well and at ease.